Jewish Latin Princess, episode 81, The Jewish Women and Hanukkah. You're listening to Jewish Latin Princess podcast by Yael. Every week, get your dose of inspiration from the world's most uniquely talented Jewish women and from Yael herself. Seeking profound and practical ways to live a joyful, richer Jewish life? Welcome to Jewish Latin Princess Podcast. And now, Jewish lifestyle expert and bilingual blogger at JewishLatinPrincess.com, your host, Yael. You're listening to Jewish Latin Princess. I'm Yael Trush, your host. Welcome to the show and happy Hanukkah. Today is the second day of Hanukkah, the most awesome holiday. I hope you're having a great time with your family and friends. It's really just such a magical time of year. And uh, we love it around here. What can I tell you? I had I have this bonus episode for you, even though I have a show for you ready with an amazing woman. Um, who is a weight loss expert, Ilana Ilana Molstein. But I kind of didn't want to spoil the fun for you with the latkes and the donuts. So I don't know, I might push it up till next year. That's one reason I'm showing up for you today on the second day of Hanukkah with this bonus episode. And but the other reason is, well, there's a number of reasons. Another reason is that somebody just recently told me that they wanted to hear more from me. And I was quite Surprise in a nice way. And then the other reason is that last week I talked about this same idea that I'm going to talk to you about today in Spanish in a WhatsApp group that I'm one of the contributors to this WhatsApp group. I don't know if I've mentioned it before here. I've certainly mentioned it to my newsletter subscribers in Spanish, as well as on last week's episode, which was a Spanish episode with Mrs. Chantal Mizrahi. She's actually another one of the um, collaborators to this WhatsApp group um, where we send, where it's 12 of us, my colleagues and I, we send Jewish messages for women a couple times a day, very short tidbits, tidbits, very fun. And I'm one of the collaborators. I'm very, very proud of being a part of this cohort of amazing Jewish women who put this beautiful content out there. And it's a very successful group. We have over 600 women all over the world. It's in Spanish. So I gave this message last week and I said to myself, well, how come I'm not putting this out on the podcast? So here we are. And if you speak Spanish or you want to perfect your Spanish, you want to listen to something in Spanish, I highly recommend it. All you have to do, or you know anybody who might be interested, all you have to do is send a message with the word um to join uh, Unete in Spanish to this number 58424-931-5036. And you will be added to the WhatsApp VIP Mujer Judía Hoy. That's the name of the group. It's really fantastic. So anyway, so here we are with a, I wanted to share with you an idea about Hanukkah and Jewish women and a connection because it's always nice to um, go into a holiday or experience a holiday, having a little bit of a feminine perspective and give it a little bit of depth and spirituality and know that not all that there is to Hanukkah is frying latkes and donuts. Um, I'm saying this as the dough for my donuts is rising in my kitchen. And I'm very excited because my children will enjoy them. I'm not particularly fond of either foods. I'm not into fried foods, but come on. Um, kids need donuts on Hanukkah, don't they? So um, so I wanted to bring this idea to you. So here we go. The connection between Jewish women and Hanukkah. 
want to start with two stories. The first one, which is not as well known, is about the daughter of Matisyahu. Everybody remembers Matisyahu from the story of Hanukkah, who on the day of her wedding, um, during the celebration, she acted immodestly. She basically uncovered part of herself, opened the dress in an immodest way in front of people. And when her brothers, whom we know are the Maccabees, saw this scene, they were very, very upset at her and were very vocal about how upset they were um, about her immodest behavior. And she had done this intentionally. And her claim back to her brothers was that you are furious that I behave this way, but you're not taking action. You're not really acting with the same fury, knowing the fact that in a few hours, the governor of the town will rape me. Amongst the decree that existed and the things that were going on um, with the Syrian Greek Empire was that each bride on the night of her wedding had to go to the local governor and she was raped before she started her marriage. Now this, remember this part because it's going to have a lot to do with this idea of what this story of Hanukkah was about and what the attack on the Jewish people is about. So it's connected. And at that moment, this was the impetus for the mo- for the brothers to decide once and for all to really take action, to really fight and form that army against the Syrian Greeks. And so again, this was an intentional act on her part to really move these guys to action. The second story, which is more, it's much more popular, is the story of Yehudit. Yehudit was one of the daughters of Yohanan the Kohen Gadol from the Hashmonai family. She was a widow, a very beautiful woman, and she also decided to take action. And what she did is she left the town, she left the city that was surrounded by the army, and she went with her servant, and she asked for permission to meet with the general, Holofernes, uh, the top, top general of the army. And the men were captivated by this woman and her assertiveness and her beauty and her determination, and I guess her charm, that they allowed her to to get together with a general, who at the same time was also enchanted by this woman. Um, she manages to convince him that she's going to help him conquer the city and to make the long story short she feeds them he feeds him these delicious cheeses that she had brought for him and gives him wine and he gets drunk and he falls asleep and that was again all intentional and she kills him she takes his sword and she kills the general what she does is she comes back with Holofernes head and tells the Maccabees to get ready for the battle because the army is not expecting them. And lo and behold, when the army woke up the next morning, they realized what had happened. The general is, has been decapitated and they really got terrified and fled. And that was really the turning point of this battle that had been going on already for almost two years. And that's when the Maccabees were able to really advance without a problem and in a very short time, get into Jerusalem and return to the temple. And that's when obviously we have the rest of the story where they 
are looking for the oil and they find the little flask of oil and they manage to light the menorah again, right? So these are two stories and there are more, but these are two stories where we see very clearly the role of Jewish women in the victory of Hanukkah, the pivotal role that they had. Um, And the reason I'm bringing them up is because these stories are going to help us understand a connection that our sages established between Hanukkah and Jewish women. And also, more importantly, to give the holiday some meaning, greater meaning, um, as Jewish women. So I want to go over the story with a little bit more depth and present the question about who the Greeks were, right? What did they represent? What did they value? And many of you may have heard that what they valued, their culture was all about intellectualism and human progress and development. And they, and they actually, based on that, they actually did have an appreciation for Torah um, as a fabulous book, an, an intellectual exercise unparalleled. It was really accepted and admired. But there was what they really did not accept and what they really wanted to eradicate from the Jewish people was their, irrash- their irrational conviction to the Torah, okay? Which is something totally different. It's not that the Torah wasn't something amazing intellectually and cultural, but it's our conviction and our commitment to what it says and to its way of life that is beyond reason. That type of faith, that's what they wanted to get out of the Jewish people or eradicate from them. And in fact, what we say during the eight days of Hanukkah during our prayers is if you look at the prayer Alanisim that we add to our prayers says your Torah, your will, right? We that's that that commitment to God's will. That's what the Jew, the the Greeks wanted the Jews to forget to get rid of that commitment to the divinity of Torah, to Torah being something godly, the word of God. They didn't mind the study of Torah. The problem was there in studying it and accepting it and living it as something divinely ordained. So that idea of being subjugated to an all a God above that is powerful and who really is our creator and having that relationship um, as something that we can't really grasp intellectually, that's what they were against. And, And if you think about the mitzvot that they were specifically opposed to really were those who which which demonstrated this conviction this irrational conviction to the word of god some of the examples are um and of course these are the the chukim the super rational commandments such like such as bris brit milah the circumcision such as kashrut kosher mikvah all of these are commandments that really you can't explain for an intellect from an intellectual perspective they are super rational and they are commandments that we we um we do solely and exclusively based on faith there's no other way to understand them and here i have to ask the question of people ever wondered why there is no meal on Hanukkah. It's it's very interesting. We have all of our holidays are celebrated with a festive meal, but not Hanukkah. Yes, we have donuts and latkes, but we don't have what we call a seuda. We don't have a meal where we have to, we are obligated to wash and have a complete meal. And we have this for every holiday, for Shabbat, for Yom Tov, even for Yom Kippur. There's a mitzvah on Erev Yom Kippur to eat, to have a seuda, proper seuda, before entering the fast. Of course, Purim, it's one of the four mitzvahs of Purim, um, but not on Hanukkah. 
And the question is why? And the reason is because the entire story of Hanukkah has to do with spirituality. That's a unique quality of Hanukkah, not with physicality. The real battle that the Syrian Greeks had against the Jews was a purely spiritual battle. It wasn't about killing the Jews. It wasn't about eliminating them. It wasn't about acquiring their land. It wasn't even about convert them to another religion. It was about Hellenizing them, making them like them, making them intellectual people like them. As in, as in if you want to study Torah as a historical book, you know, very, very nice. Why not? But anything more than that, that's what just was not acceptable. In fact, if we see, they didn't destroy the temple like the Romans or the Babylonians had done. They didn't even take the the um, the things the the things the the things from gold from the temple. They didn't take them to the things that we used to make the service in the temple. What was it that they did specifically? And this is a very specific thing that shows this point of that that how deliberate they were in the, the what they were attacking which was this idea of divinity and godliness they went after the oil but it wasn't even emptying the oil and here's the big point what did they do they broke the seal of the kohen gadol because by breaking that seal that oil automatically was considered tame, impure. It was a very deliberate act. It was a very deliberate mockery of what the Jewish beliefs and the Jewish faith. They were very, very well aware of what they were attacking. They were attacking this concept of divinity. It was a spiritual battle because if you think about it, the purity or the impurity of the oil is really totally... um, in this, you can't you can differentiate them, right? On a physical level, you can't tell apart the concept. You can't tell them apart. The concept of tahor, of pure, or tame, impure, are are spiritual concepts. The ta- pure oil, which is tahor, right, is no different from oil that is impure, that is tame. On a, on a physical level, they're no different. It's only different because God said so, right? But not on a physical plane. It's just spiritually is different. So what, but what happens? What happens is that ultimately the Jews and godliness, divinity, are completely inseparable. We can't separate them. So the Jews did not end up using the oil that had the the seal, the broken seal. They didn't use any of those flasks of oils because they couldn't, because that's not, it wasn't Tahor, period. Even, and then even knowing, only knowing that there was only pure oil for one day, they still did it with that oil, with the only flask of oil that retained the purity, the, the seal of the Kohen Gadol. And that is... At that point, when God sees that level of commitment, that level of faith, right? That understanding that we are committed to the word of God and the way things are on a spiritual level, that is when God makes the miracle for the Jewish people. When we demonstrated that ultimately the Jews and godliness are inseparable. And in fact, what is the miracle that we're all celebrating on Hanukkah? the miracle of the oil. But we could say it's just interesting that it is the miracle of the oil because one could say that the bigger miracle is really the victory of the Maccabees. I mean, that an army of 5,000 people without any military experience could defeat an army of 50,000 of the 
of the, the big Syrian Greek empire. Whoa, that's, that's a miracle, right? But that the oil would stay burning bright in the menorah more than one day, eight days? Yeah, it's, it's miraculous, but maybe one could find some scientific way, right? That, that something could happen, that this could happen, some explanation. It, it just doesn't seem as wow and powerful and significant as this military victory. Nevertheless, what we celebrate, what we've always celebrated is the miracle of the oil. Because again, the battle that we were fighting, the battle that they were fighting against us and the battle that we were fighting back was essentially a spiritual battle. So now, if there is no um, seuda, if there's no meal, right? What is the mitzvah of Hanukkah? It's not eating. No, it's not eating a proper meal. It's actually lighting the Hanukkah, the menorah, right? And publicizing that miracle. So to to wrap up the point, I just want to point out that the our sages divide the world into four elements. The And there's air, there's earth, there's water, and there's fire. And there's something very interesting about fire. And that is that it, even though it's a physical element, it has a very spiritual quality. And that is that if you think about things in the physical plane, in the physical world, when you use something, that gets reduced, right? If I have water and I use it to wash something or I drink the water, I automatically don't have the same amount of water, right? It goes down. But on the spiritual side, it's very interesting because when we talk about spirituality, when I use something, when I, that something actually grows, right? If you love somebody, you have more love. When you learn something, you have more wisdom. When you have empathy for another, you have more empathy towards others. When you're a good friend to, towards one person, you're automatically a better friend, a good friend for somebody else. Anything that's spiritual, if you think about it, by using it, you're creating more of it. Similarly, with the flame, a, a, a flame, a fire. If you take a flame from an existing flame, that original flame does not decrease. On the contrary, what happens is that together, they create more light than the first original flame, right? And that's a very spiritual quality. And that is that spiritual dimension of our existence as a people and our commitment as a people is what these Hanukkah lights that we light today are trying to remind us of. This is the idea of the lights. Now, back to the women, which we started with the story of the women. If you look at the code of Jewish law, yes, the mitzvah of lighting the menorah applies to everybody, right? Including women. Now, different from Shabbat candles, which women have to light, it's a woman is sufficient for a woman to just say amen to somebody else lighting the menorah. In fact, in many households, usually the head of the household, the man might light the menorah and a woman, the woman says, amen. It's not always that the woman lights her own menorah, although that is perfectly fine as well. But there is one thing that the code of Jewish law specifies that women actually have to do on Hanukkah. And that is, and that might, this might be a little bit of Jewish trivia, not everybody might know this, but that is to rest and enjoy 
the candles, the light of the candles of the Hanukkah of the menorah while they are lit or for a minimum of 30 minutes after we light the candles. We're not allowed to work. We're supposed to rest and admire the light. Isn't that nice? So isn't that neat? So don't rush off to fry your latkes or whatever else. You're really supposed to sit there for 30 minutes and enjoy the light of the menorah. Now, now that we've seen this entire story with a little bit more depth, we can start to understand why the code of Jewish law would say that, that women have to do this? Why is this mitzvah for women that they have to actually light and I mean, sit and enjoy the light of the menorah? And this is this is the reason the reason is because the most important point of lighting the candles is not just lighting them because anybody can light them. And in, in the home, and usually it's not even the woman, the real the most important point is there's something deeper here is to appreciate and be able to integrate the spirituality, the spiritual message that this light is here to bring us. And that is something which our sages say, only women who, as we saw in these two initial stories, who were intimately connected to the story of Hanukkah, both because their attack was personal on women, the Syrian Greek attack was a personal attack on women, and because they were pivotal in accelerating the victory. So only women can really comprehend, really have the ability to internalize and integrate in their lives and in the lives of their families, the idea of the divinity and the spirituality that the lights of Hanukkah are here to convey for us. My wish to you is that you should have a happy Hanukkah. May you be able to internalize the light and the message of the light of spirituality, godliness, divinity in your lives and be able to imbue it in the lives of the members of your families. Have a happy Hanukkah. Thanks for listening to Jewish Latin Princess Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on iTunes, leave a rating and share the podcast with the Jewish women you love. To access today's show notes, ask Yael a question, or suggest a uniquely talented Jewish woman to be featured on the show, visit JewishLatinPrincess.com.